What's up, Soul Fam? Welcome to our Sacred Journey podcast. I am your host, Jess Ananda. This is episode two. I am about to open up with you and share a few of my past pains, my past struggles and victories that have led me into this now moment. I'm going to share with you guys a powerful quote that I live by. I read this quote last year in the Bhagavad Gita as it is. Whatever action a great man performs, common men follow. And whatever standards he sets by exemplary acts, all the world pursues. Ever since an early age, I always knew deep down inside that I had a specific purpose, a duty to serve humanity. Because ever since I was a child, I knew that what I saw was not the truth. But I was so young that I could not comprehend it at such a young age. Born from an immigrant family. My parents crossed the border from Mexico. My mother was pregnant of me while crossing the border. They came over to Northern California and from there they took off to Michigan. And my mother worked at a flower farm, a flower field throughout her entire pregnancy. Towards the end of her pregnancy, my family moved to Northern California and I was conceived in Berkeley, California on November 24th, 1988 at 4.20 a.m. Born on Thanksgiving. Taking my first breath into this life as Jess. At the age of five, I experienced my first major shift, which was when my mother ran away from home. She ran away from my father, from the toxic life that we were living. I experienced a lot of pain, a lot of deception, a lot of delusion in my own home as a young child. My father used to be my hero as a kid. I used to look up to him, even though I would see him intoxicated and violent and in rage. I would have to stand in between my parents so my father wouldn't beat the living crap out of my mother. And I still saw him as my hero. I was only a child. Living in an environment that showed me that love was painful, that love was fearful and that love was conditional. It set the mood for my entire life, which I'm grateful for because this is why I am sitting here now able to share this moment with you all. My beautiful mother finally had enough and she decided to leave and run away from home. 
and I was the firstborn and we had a my little sister she was only a few months when my mother ran away from home and my mother had lied to me she said that we were gonna go to a flea market to meet my cousins so I got in the car with her because that was the only way that I would get in the car with her because at that point I only followed my father so here we are driving hours and hours and hours I'm wondering when are we gonna get to this flea market my baby sister is screaming and crying in the back seat I'm next to her we're riding an old busted car and I ask my mom mom how much longer we've been driving for hours and finally she confesses to me and tells me that we're actually headed to Los Angeles and that we're leaving my father at that moment my life was flipped upside down I was crushed I felt lied betrayed everything shattered I was heartbroken for the next three years from ages five to eight we were going through different battered women's shelters we were in the system section eight welfare we lived in different areas that had other women who had also ran away from their husbands violence every time I would see a mother a father and a child at the park I would reminisce and I would wish that I could be that child with my parents and be normal and happy I was a new kid <laughs> all the time every month every two weeks always a new kid my mother always taught me to be my own best friend to never rely on anybody outside of myself to have a good time to learn how to be happy and how to have fun with people or without my mother always taught me that we were never lost whenever we would be driving in the crazy freeways and highways of Los Angeles not knowing where to go my mom always would tell me Mija we're not lost there's always a way at six years old I knew that I was very different from others at this point I had already developed my first crush and it was on a girl when my mother asked me which boy did I like at school I was about to tell her the name of the girl that I liked but then I was like hold on I'm in a girl body and then I realized that I had to lie and keep this a secret So I always lived within my mind. My imagination was my best friend. I lived in my own world of magic and fantasy. At age nine, my parents got back together. My father found out where my mother was. 
and we returned back to the Bay Area, to Northern California. At that age of nine, I realized who my father was. I realized how toxic he was, and I realized why my mother had left him. I caught him deceiving my mother, and I confronted him, and he threatened me that if I told my mother what I saw or heard, that he would be out of our lives, that my mother would leave him, and I would be fatherless again. So if I wanted to, I could tell my mother, but I would have no father. At that moment, I was crushed, again, heartbroken by my own father, who was my hero. And here I am, realizing that all that was just a lie, that he, in reality, was not that being, that heroic being that I thought he was, that I made him to be. At age 13, my freshman year of high school, I ended up going to a school in Mexico. I wanted to, to get away from being out here and I just, I was obsessed with going to Mexico for a year. So I made it happen and I was enrolled in a private school in Mexico. I fell deep in love with a woman at that time, which really made me question myself even more. I was drinking out there, I was partying. I came back to the States again at age 14, my sophomore year of high school back again into the quiet kid, right? The ghost that no one knew. I just wanted to be normal at this point. I wanted to go to school and I wanted to have a crush on a guy. I just wanted to like a guy, that's it. I just wanted to be normal. There it is, the first day of math and this girl, her name Sarah, walks in and all of a sudden I feel this deep connection with her. I could feel her pain. And I fell in love with her pain. I became obsessed. Now at age 15, I took a major turn in my life. This day changed my life forever. Around this time, I had fallen deeper into clinical depression. And I wouldn't talk about my feelings because I didn't want to be a burden to my mother. You know, she had already experienced a lot and still was experiencing a lot with my father. And I just wanted to make her proud. I wanted to be the first of my family to graduate. I wanted to be a doctor and make my mother proud and help people, help the world. I wanted to, to do great things in life and inspire others. But instead, I was deep in my darkness and depression and I didn't know how to get out. So I began to seek external ways. I began to experiment with substances that summer of 2004. 
Halloween came along. It was December. Sorry, it was October 31st, 2004. I was 15 years old and I just wanted to get high off my ass. So I hung out with a group of kids from school and we smoked a bunch of weed all day. And my mother picked me up at night. And of course, the moment I got in the car, she noticed my eyes were blazing red, half shut. I was gone. I was lit. I was high off my ass. My mom was so disappointed in me. She was so heartbroken and so pissed off. I had never seen her that pissed off at me in my life. I woke up the next day on November 1st, and I was wishing it was just a nightmare. But I awakened, and I realized, oh, I'm still here. It really happened. My mother was so mad. She was coming in the room telling her how, telling me how disappointed she was in me, and she could not believe it. She was so angry. She went to go tell the principal about me and to keep an eye on me, and she was just very angry. She didn't know what to do. She told me she was going to take down the door and that I was no longer going to have privacy. I was devastated. That's all I needed to hear, my mother says, that I disappointed her. That was it. That was all I needed to hear. When my mother left to go tell the principal and for them to have me on check, I grabbed all the change that I owned. I grabbed my Razor scooter. I looked at my little brother and my two little sisters and within my heart I said goodbye because I knew that that was the last time I was going to see them because I was going to end my life and I was not coming back alive. I got on the train. I got off in San Francisco. I had enough change, exact change for one ticket to San Francisco and exact change for a bus ride to Hippie Hill. I got off the bus on Haight Street and Stanion in front of the McDonald's. I saw a group of hippies and I asked them if I could bum a cigarette. They asked me what was up with me because my energy was off. And I told them that I was looking for some heroin. That I was looking to overdose. I had run away from home. And they told me that they as well were runaways. They were against the system. And they offered me two things. They said, you could take off with us. You can join us up north. We're headed to Oregon. We got a bunch of shrooms. We're going to be doing trades drug trades all you got to do is work with us and ride with us that's it or you can continue on with what you had planned and kill yourself it's up to you at that point i didn't care anymore i can get hit by a bus right there and then i was dead already so of course i said i would take off with them because i didn't care anymore what happened to me in that moment, I erased my entire life from that point on. Everything 
I erased all my memories. And I was emerged in my darkness. Now I'll tell you guys about this on another time. But I was gone for 16 days. We ended up traveling up north to Oregon. On the 16th day, I was arrested. And I was under a runaway. They found my name. And they ended up taking me into juvenile hall. They called my mother and told them that they had found me. So my mother got a car rental and she drove to Oregon from California to go pick me up from jail. When I came back, everything was out on the table already. My mother obviously knew that I was clinically depressed. She knew that I was had been experimenting with drugs. She knew that I liked girls and everything was out. Everything had spilled. The volcano had erupted. I didn't care anymore. I became so addicted to drugs at this point that I had written on my shoe, I live for drugs. When my mom saw that, I just broke her heart. I lost it completely. I didn't care anymore. I ended up going to mental hospitals. They had me on medication. They had me under 5150, which means you're either suicidal or homicidal, which means you're a danger to yourself and others. They had me seeing psychiatrists and psychologists, therapists, family therapists, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholic Anonymous, all these places. And I just kept running away every time. I just wanted to keep running away. At age 17, I decided to go to rehab. I agreed that it was the next step. Fast forward to 17, I graduated from high school. Luckily, I did all my credits, completed them. I didn't walk stage, but I got out of high school. When I turned 18, I had the desire to shift my life. I wanted to be better. I had this light that came in. And I was just like, I feel like, I feel like being a better version of myself. So I started to go to the gym since I had a gym membership. I went every single day. I became addicted to the gym. At this point, also, I was inspired to not smoke cigarettes anymore because I was a chain smoker. So I told myself that instead of smoking a pack a day, that I was going to cut back to five cigarettes a day. So I did this for a week. I smoked five cigarettes a day. The next week, I cut it to four. I went three cigarettes a week. And then the following week, I cut it down to one puff a day. Until the last day, I realized that I didn't take a puff of a cigarette. I was I completely forgot because I was working. I was in the gym. I was in school. I was like completely busy that I forgot. So I decided that I was going to stick with the motto one day at a time. That from that day forth, I was going to choose to not smoke for that day. But I would carry my cigarettes with me in case I wanted to smoke. But I would choose to not smoke. So this was such a powerful thing. And to see the power that I had, my willpower, this was something that was evident. When I focused on a goal, I could achieve it. And this is something that 
I've always had within me that has helped my journey, that has helped me make tremendous progress. Because after this happened, I ended up joining the women's cross-country team for the community college that I was going to school. The coach had seen me. He saw my potential and he asked me if I was interested in joining the women's team. So, of course, I love a good challenge. And I said yes. And I proved myself once again what I was capable of that fall of 2007 as I became the second runner-up of the women's cross-country team after not even a year of being a chain smoker. Now I was the second fastest and longest runner of the women's team that we had. So at this point, I was just addicted to that rush, addicted to proving myself something, right? <laughs> so, so deep in the false ego. But it was a beautiful time of my life that I had to experience all of these uh, addictions because I was so addicted to sex. I was addicted. I was addicted to porn. I was addicted to pleasing my senses, and I was all about now, 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 now. I had no patience at that time. So let's fast forward to two thousand and fifteen. In 2015, I got out of a three-year relationship that was very toxic. But those three years, I had gone through another time of my life that was a major shift. In 2012, I realized that I was done being this crazy alcoholic, violent person. I ended up going through a phase in my life where I was um, hanging around gangs and violence and stealing Inflicting pain on others, being reckless, car accidents, so many things, jail, madness, just madness. And I got into my last relationship that I was in. And it was very toxic, of course, but I learned so much because through this relationship, I was able to realize that I had no love for myself, no love for myself. Around this time, I had dove deeper into entrepreneurialism. I had started a business, a personal training business with two colleagues. Our company was called, and it still is called, Top Tier Fitness because it still exists. So at this point, I had stepped into a different role in my life where I was being more of a leader. So I was being asked to really stretch. And I realized that the relationship that I was in was so suffocating and that I could no longer do this to myself. So I began to read in December of 2015, right at the end of my relationship. And I read this book called Love is Letting Go of Fear. When I read that book, it made a complete shift in my thinking. I realized, that is when I realized I did not have self-love. And I wanted to love myself for the first time. Truly love myself. And the relationship that I was in was so toxic. It was a reflection of myself. I had been lying to myself. I had been hiding my true self 
my whole life. So of course I was going to manifest a partner who was anything but what I wanted to experience, right? She was a reflection of me, of all my fears and all my doubts. So we both decided that it was the healthy decision to step away from that relationship. So that December of 2015 was a major time for me. I began to dive deep within myself and I decided that I was going to focus on me. I was not going to rebound like other times. I was not going to go get drunk and go to the club and lose myself and do something that I would regret the next morning. That I was actually going to focus on me that I was going to be a better version of myself that I was going to read books that would enlighten me that would bring hope and inspiration from me so this is when I decided that I was going all in so from December of 2015 until July of 2016 I was immersed in personal development books, business books, so deep in my business and my coaching, working in the public, creating content, creating value. I was value oriented. What do I have to offer to others? I wanted to be of service instead of being served, instead of being selfish and thinking about me, me, me. I wanted to give back. 2016 for me was all about giving back, giving back and learning to love myself. So in July of 2016, my psychiatrist told me, hey, Jess, you know, you sound really great. Maybe you need to lower your dose because your medication is really high. I was, you know, taking some heavy dose of bipolar medication at the time. And at first, I got a little scared. I was like, whoa, I I don't want to lose control of my emotions, I thought, right? But then I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be off of medication. So then I told the doctor, you know what, doc? How about this? I want to get off completely. Let's start decreasing my dose. And if I feel that I need to get back on the medication because I'm losing myself, trust me, I will be the first to call you because I don't want to lose myself anymore. I've worked so hard to be where I am right now emotionally and mentally. So in one month, I got completely off of all medications. And this was fully in August of 2016 when I finally tasted freedom away from these pills that had been in my life for over 10 years at that point. 12, 13 years now of this medication. Finally, I'm out. I'm free, baby. I'm free. So that month of August, I had started a volunteer program at a mental health facility with my therapist from high school who is the director now of this place called New Hope. And I started the program to reach out to the youth because I wanted to share fitness because at the time fitness had played a major part in my recovery. So I wanted to share what had helped me at that time, which was that. It was fitness and self-discipline and changing my mindset and reading books right? Books that were teaching me things, listening to YouTube videos that were allowing me to step into positive vibrations 
And instead of being a pessimist, how I used to be, shifting my perspective to gratitude, waking up grateful every morning, looking at the brighter things in life, looking at the lessons instead of feeling sorry for myself, I learned to not be a victim anymore and take responsibility for my actions, for how I felt. I wanted to share that with the world. I began to make YouTube videos. I began to reach out to the places that helped me as a child and as a youth. I wanted to give back. So November of 2016, I made a YouTube video where I began to open up for the first time because before this, I would not talk about my past. I was ashamed of my past. I didn't want people to judge me because I still judged myself. I had not forgiven that aspect of myself because I had put layers and layers over it to mask the pain. So I had overcome my mind, but I still needed to dive deep into my childhood traumas in order for me to liberate myself fully. So this is where I was going towards. And at that time, I was 27 when I got off of medication. I was going to hit my 28th birthday. And that's when I knew that a major shift was coming. I knew it. I could feel it in the air. Something is about to shift fully. I am about to reach a whole new level of my life. Something that I didn't think would ever happen. But deep down inside, I knew that it would happen. That day would come. Fast forward. Four months later. It is March of 2017 where so many things in my life were happening. Everything was manifesting in that now. Things that I had blocked from my consciousness that I didn't want to relive anymore were happening. I knew it was time again for me to step in fully, to step into my truth and to begin to speak the truth of why I was hearing this now, why I had reincarnated as Jess. This truth that I could no longer run from and hide. Now, from 2017 until now is a completely different part of my journey. So I'm going to actually make another recording. All right, guys, another audio for you guys for the following episode for next week where I will dive deep into my spiritual reawakening and the entire journey of that but for now these were some major parts of my life that I wanted to share with you guys so you can have a more deeper understanding of myself now there's so many things that I want to share with you guys that it's impossible to share in one episode but hey there's plenty of other episodes where I'll be able to open up with you guys I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening and showing up it is an honor for me to be here in this now being able to transmit these words these vibrations to you And I want to remind you guys that everything in your life is happening on purpose. Nothing in this life is accidental. Everything that you experience is for you to awaken to the truth of it. 
Every time that you suffer, it is for you to snap out of the dream and realize the beautiful chance that you have in this now moment for redemption, to remember your truth, to step into your higher self. Because we are so much more than what society has told us. We are infinite beings. We are eternal, immortal. Because guess what? This flesh will one day perish. The body is only a vehicle for the soul. That which is eternal. Nothing can ever break you. Because you have existed from before. This incarnation and many others. You are eternal. And we are all parts and parcels of our divine creator, our source, our universal father. And I just want to remind you guys to appreciate this moment and be here now. I'm excited to share the next episode, beloved. Make sure to subscribe because we are expanding, baby. I am sending you all my unconditional love, light, bliss, and blessings, beloveds. Hariom Tatsat.